if you're following God's principles, those are everlasting, life-giving principles. You're going to reap the benefits mm -hmm. of following those everlasting, life-giving principles. And even in, in, in you know, you can't, you can't, God himself doesn't force everyone to be a Christian. God himself doesn't force everyone to uh, choose Jesus Christ. He gives mm -hmm. you the option to put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Which will you choose? Hey, choose life. I'll give you the answer to the best, you know. <laughs> yeah, the first two people in the garden, I told them what not to pick. They picked it anyway. I'm going to tell you guys what to pick, you know. And, and they still picked the wrong one. And, that's, Which, and that's sometimes, the, sometimes he even gives them in that <clears throat> choice. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you long life. And I'm going to give you everything you wanted so that at least you can enjoy the only, the only life you're going to get to, to the, as much as you're able to. Sometimes even the, you know, like the, the psalmist, why, why do the wicked prosper? Well, that's all they get. I mean, God's going to give them at least something, right? Yeah, when it, uh, David said, then I saw the end thereof, you know, mm -hmm. and it wasn't so good for them. That makes me think about, you know, when you look at God says to the Jews, all right, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this land of milk and honey. <clears throat> it already belongs to these Canaanite and all these other Ike guys, you know, and... Uh, but, you know, man, I got their, their cup of sin is full and I got to take them out, man. I gave them every option in the world and they still rejected it. And that made me think about, you know, because the story about the, the two guys are carrying two guys, take clusters of grapes so big it takes two guys to carry that on a pole. That's mm -hmm. a lot of grape jelly. That's a lot of wine, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, they went into a land that was inhabited by heathens that had totally rejected the principles of God. So that shows you that God was displaying his goodness. He was still blessing. His principles are everlasting. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're permanent. They're without rejection, or what's the word I'm looking for? They're without turning back. There is no shadow of turning in the guy. So his stuff is legit, and it's, and it's, it's permanent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he was blessing them anyway. But they kept rejecting the goodness of God so much that God said, all right, man. Now I'm going to give you what you want. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you, you know, I'm take me out the equation. And you left. And, and what that leaves you is leaves me no other option. Yeah. But to bless you, <clears throat> or, uh, to judge you, uh, to send judgment on you. I, I wanted so much to bless you that I caused grapes to grow really big in your land. <laughs> you know, and you guys still rejected me. It makes me think about when I first started following Jesus. I'm on my way to Alaska. This is the first time I ever see this connection. I'm on my way to Alaska. I've got my old hippie van, you know, 71 Jimmy with the feathers and beads, you know, and deadhead stickers and whatnot, and Harley all over it. And I, I, I pull into Washington State the night of my daughter's 10th birthday party. I drive her around, and I, and I take her to her grandparents' house as I'm waiting outside for her. Man, I wish I'd have brought the, the version of the Bible. Uh, as I'm waiting outside for her, I'm walking by my old van, and I hear the voice, and the voice says, go in your van and read the Bible. And I, I said, look, sir, I can't do that. I said, I'm the only one here who believes in you. They're going to think I'm nuts. And I walked around for a little while, and when I walked by the van again, the voice said, go in your van and read the Bible. And I thought, oh, what the heck, they already think I'm nuts. And I went in there, and I picked up that book, and it just flopped open. I didn't know what I was looking at then, but I now know I was reading Haggai number two, right? And I read it, and I and it looks on there and it says, uh, all your sacrifices to me were tainted because you were living with a selfish, evil heart. 
And said, I rewarded all your labors with mildew, hail, and rust. And you still refused to turn and look at me. Every time you thought you was going to make ends meet, I was the one who moved, was moving the ends, and you still wasn't getting it. And the whole point was he was trying to get me to turn and look at him because he wanted to bless me. Yeah. But because I was rejecting him, I was rejecting his goodness. He's like, I cannot bless you the way that I want to bless you. Therefore, I've got you've left me no option but to give you mildew, hail, and rust. And every time you thought you was going to get 20 gallons, I gave you 10. And every time you thought you was going to get 50, I gave you 20. And you were still dumber than a sack of wet mice and you wouldn't turn around and look at me. But I always loved the part that said the verse said, but all is different now. Because you have begun to rebuild the temple. And then it says that if you read it in Haggai number two, it starts about like verse 19, I think. And as you get in it, it says, uh, from this day forward, from the 24th day of the month, I'll bless you. And then he says, notice I'm giving this promise to you before the figs, before the pomegranates, before the olives and the grapes and whatever else. It says, come in, I'm giving you this promise in advance. Mm. Because it was my heart to do all this for you from the beginning. Yeah. But you were so rejecting me that you gave me no option. And so, and a little side note is, I read that, I went to, it took my daughter back to my ex-wife's house. My ex-wife said, man, you, you have done so many drugs, you fried your last brain cell. She goes, your God has left you here. There's no way you get to Alaska on, on 60 bucks, you know. And she was right because it cost me $200 in gas just to get from Arizona to, to, to Washington State. And that was back when gas was cheap compared to now. And I said, no matter. I said, this story's like that the story about that cat named Mo in the book and all them Jewish people. He said, they went out in the desert and they said, Mo, would you bring us out here in the desert to die? You know, and Mo said, no, God's going to help us. Look, I said, look, I know that story's in this book somewhere. And I picked it up, you know, and, and I, I went whack like this, and I turned right to that exact same page in Haggai number two. I handed that to my ex-wife. I said, you read that and see that isn't my way, my life before I believe there's a God. Boy, she slammed that Bible shut, handed it back to me. She goes, that could be a coincidence. <clears throat> she kept on the Batman. I said, look, I know the dude is real because I heard him talk to me from the ceiling. Three days later, I wind up getting tickets to go to Alaska and there's a whole other story behind that. But when I got to the ferry, there were already tickets waiting for me. I get on the ferry. I ride to Alaska. I arrived in Skagway, Alaska on the 24th day of the month, just like I said in the book. <laughs> I literally walked off that ferry into Alaska, uh, May 24th, 93, with my rifle, my bow, my hand-carried toolbox, the rucksack I was issued in the 70s, and $6 in my pocket. Yeah, so... You know, really, so if you sound to think of the, the freedom thing, okay, the freedom thing, that, that was the United States of America. He's like, man, I, I'm doing something new that ain't never been done in the world before. Did you, prior to the United States of America, no colony had ever separated from the parent stem to create a new nation before. It had never happened in the history of the world. When you start seeing it had never happened in the history of the world or the first time in the history of the world, you better start looking for the fingerprint of God. Because God was doing something new. And he was setting something into motion that he hadn't even done with Israel yet. And that was that he was saying, look, if you will come unto the, to the to, what's the word I'm looking for? The, you know, the, the ordinances, the, the Christian principles that, that have been set forth by my son. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another and the world will know your mind. And then if 
you honor your father and mother, it will be well with you in the land that I'm giving you. You know, and your years will be long. If you will live, treat your neighbor as yourself. You know, how, no, how's it with the golden rule? Do unto others as you have done to you. If you took the, the you know, what's that, when he's on, a, is it on the Mount of Olives, he does the, what the thing they call the Beatitudes? Mm-hmm. You know why they call it that? Because it's the Beatitude. If this Beatitude, you're going to reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. And if you live by those principles, I'm going to create a nation in the earth that will put forth those principles. And the people, they ain't going to do it perfect because there ain't been no perfect people on this planet. Mm-hmm. The last perfect guy, they crucified. <laughs> That's how you and I know we ain't cruci- or perfect because we ain't hanging on no cross nowhere. Thank God I'm not perfect. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the perfect guy went to bat for me. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's, uh, if they'll apply these principles, I'll cause something new to happen in the world. And just like when I chose Israel the least... The least likely, and because I love them, he chose them. And Israel, if you're chosen, you have to go, why? Well, that's the why, and then you have to go for what? Israel was chosen, the what was to reflect him to the world. To all the, the gen, you know, the heathen Gentiles, all the Hittites, and the other, you know, all the people in tights that were over there in Canaan, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it was the same with the United States of America. I mean, look, man, there, there was a government the king of England, it was the biggest, baddest army and navy in the world. And he's over there sitting up in a storm going, what in the blue blazes? <laughs> these crazy ragtag bunch of farmers and rednecks over there, frontiers, that think they're going to take on the biggest government in the world. You know? And God's going, exactly right. This is why I'm choosing them. Because they're the least likely. And if you look at the, if you read the events that occurred, it really looked like we was losing the battle early on. Mm -hmm. Well, you look at Jesus Christ, he's going to the cross. Sure enough, looked like he was losing the battle, (laughs) but it turned out to be his greatest victory. And then you read the events that took place out there, like the fog that came at the crossing of the Delaware, you know, it was so dense that you guys couldn't see. There was all these different events. Uh, There's some story where the, I forget, the British fleet was trying to sail into this harbor or something like that. And the preacher said, come on, everybody, let's pray. And they all prayed in the church. And when they prayed here, come a hurricane forest storm. And it sank every cotton picking ship in the harbor except thank for one. And they couldn't get in, you know. So stories like that to go through the whole thing. That you realize the only reason that America came into existence, the United States of America did, in spite of all of its imperfections, was because God was intervening. Mm-hmm. God used imperfect people when he used Israel. He used imperfect people when he used Babylon, but he turned the king around. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah, you look at the tribulation of uh, First World War, the Great Depression, World War II, all of that brought people of the nation into unity. It's like, okay, we're on the same team, working for the same cause, and, and that was what brought the prosperity post-World War II, is that everybody had become united in that. Where brothers dwell in unity, yeah. God commands a blessing. Even in World War II, man, look, there were idiots in America, the United <laughs> States of America, who were trying to support the Nazis. You know, yeah. We've had a whole bunch of idiots on this continent and in this nation for a long time. <laughs> it ain't a new thing, you know? I, yeah. No, but I mean, as a general thing of looking out for each other and coming yeah. together to a common cause, there's, that was that was huge. The uh, the way that um, they they started World War Two, their their navy was pretty decent, but they were outproducing every other nation by the end of it. 
shoving out these ships in every direction. Nothing, nothing had been seen like that on the earth since the Romans were fighting the Carthaginians. They found a Carthaginian ship wrecked and saw the, the markings on the planks. And they're like, oh, they're mass producing these. They're pulling out these planks with all the markings, and then you just assemble the boats. They started copying that and outproduced the Carthaginians at their own game. <laughs> and then, oh. they, and then they, they lost a few sea battles, all their ships sunk, and they built more. <laughs> it was the, the same principle that when they're, when they're working together mm -hmm. towards that end, there's, there's no way to conquer them. But when, that's, uh, love one another and the world will know you're mine. Yeah. If you and I, as brothers in Christ, even though we're gonna have, we're human beings, man, we're gonna have moments that we disagree. You know, like what your dad said a while back. He said, "Look, not everybody. You know, you should all be something. I forget how he said it now exactly, but y'all should be glad that in this church, not everybody thinks like me. <laughs> I should have shouted, sick 'Sickum preacher! Hey, I'm with you, brother. You know, so <laughs> yeah. you know, as brothers in Christ, we're not commanded." To think like one another. Mm -hmm. Not commanded com to agree on every tiny little point. Yeah, we're commanded to love one another. So that means we can disagree and still be brothers in Christ. Mm -hmm. We can disagree and I can still love you. You know what I'm saying? I just go, brother, I don't agree with you on that point. And I give you the liberty and the freedom, because we're talking about freedom, to disagree with me. I give you the liberty and the freedom to have your point of view. You know? Yeah. You, you mentioned um, Israel with the, the grapes and then the different things that they did. God, when he, when he talked to Abraham, he gave him the promises. But it was when Abraham responded to those promises and acted in faith on those promises, God came to the point where he said, I, I will do this for myself. So when he swears by himself, that's a promise he's going to complete no matter what. So after that point, it wasn't even up to Abraham's descendants. What did, uh, was it Jacob? Jacob, who mm -hmm. was Israel? He, he never took on his new name. He never became known as Israel. At the end of his life, he said, I am an old man, weary of years, because God had dragged him along to the point where he was, because God's like, this is going to happen. This is on me now. When Israel wasn't obeying, he's like, okay, you guys come in, wipe them out, take them over there. I'll find my remnant there, and I'll bring them back. And, and he, they, they were basically slaves to the promise that Abraham and God, the covenant that Abraham and God had made. This is going to happen no matter what. They didn't have a say in the matter. There's things that God brings out, you know, like the prophecy to Nineveh. Your city's going to be destroyed. Everybody's going to die. What, what's the correct response? You know, Jonah was like, yes. Get them, God. Get them. Let's preach against them and, and celebrate. But they knew what the response was. Let's cry out. They got humble. When, when a prophecy comes here, you know, there's a giant earthquake is going to come on this day. Everybody's like, okay, let's pack up and leave. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it, it's a time for intercession unless unless this is a, God said this is going to happen and it's time for my people to listen because something has to happen here. There's there's different kinds of of prophecies that come forth. And oh, when God swears by Himself, that's going to happen, and we we better be ready to go along with it because if we don't. We're just going to get dragged on a face on the asphalt. 
<laughs> wherever it's going anyway. I like the judo because he he, uh, you see, he always kept a remnant. Mm -hmm. But in other words, he are there was a whole mess out of that whole mess of a nation. He knew the hearts of the few, mm -hmm. and of the few, he said, "This here few, the least, I'll fulfill my promise to them, but I will fulfill that promise." Y'all can mess up all you want, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to make sure that my word gets kept because I keep my word. Mm -hmm. I'll never break, break my promises. That verse says, God watches over his word. Well, God just makes sure that his word gets kept. Yeah. And he's always got somebody because he's looking at the heart. And he knows that even though in the mess of all of it, there's some that still got the right heart. Mm -hmm. And because of those some that got the right heart, I'll still fulfill my promise to them. Even those who got left behind, the, the, the poor people, the king left them there. And then he sent other settlers in to fill out the place, and they intermarried, became the Samaritans. Jesus' first act was to go and bring the word of God and the good news to the Samaritans, the ones who had been left behind and despised. Yeah. I mean, look at the first, the first time. Is it Cyrus, the first guy who lets them go back? So, uh, and I, someone told me recently that on that return to Israel, only 10% of the people actually went back. The rest chose to stay in Babylon. Yeah. See, so, sure. yeah. And, and then I think there was another time that, uh, what is there, a couple of other times they wind up going back and, and the numbers increases, they go back. But on the first time, only 10%. But God still worked through that 10% that were willing. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could look at it that way, that God, look, look I will fulfill my promise. No matter what, I'm going to fulfill it. But I'm always going to find me 10%. I'm going to find me, just like in the whole, I found me eight people. One guy, Noah. I'll fulfill my promise. I'm going to keep my promise to that woman that I made in the garden. Woman, you're a serpent. You're a seed. The serpent will bruise his heel. And he'll crush his head. He's like, I'm going to fulfill that promise. It's all, even if it always come, comes down to just eight people. I think it's the same for the United States of America. God's like, I'm going to fulfill my destiny for this nation. Because y'all can be looking at the news and hear CNN and, and Fox News and One America News and all the MSNBC and whatever one you happen to be looking into, and you can listen to that mess of a picture that they're painting. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter what they paint. matters what God said and what God's doing. And if there'll be just a few that'll be humble and say, God, look, I don't know what, and I don't care. All I know is you're God, and I'm following you. God said, Boy, you ain't got great faith. You got dumb faith, but you're just dumb enough to believe me that I'm going to work with. You know what yeah. <laughs> See? So, and, 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 and it's because of guys like that, guys like you and me that are willing to say, look, God, I don't care what it looks like. I'm still willing to follow you. That freedom still exists in the world because true freedom only comes in the will of God. Because if you're not functioning following Christ, you're following Satan. I'm sorry, but them are the only two options. You, there ain't no third option. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's life and death, blessing and cursing. Those, you either get life and blessing or you get death and cursing. Either get God, Jesus, or you get Satan. Those are your two options. You know, Bob Dylan, you're going to have to save. Can I, how's he doing? You're going to have to save somebody. I can't even do Bob Dylan. <laughs> Got to plug my nose or something. But, you know, you know, you're going to serve somebody one way or the other. You see what I'm saying? 
So you, you get the two shows. God, you know, God knows we ain't that bright. He goes, yeah, I got to keep it simple for you. I'm going to cut it down to two choices. That way, you know, otherwise, you know. Yeah. And Paul says, you know, that those who choose, those who aren't following Christ, but choose to live according to the law, don't they receive the same blessing? And that's where you get out in, the, in society, people who are mixed. You know, they don't follow God. They don't believe in God. And they like to make their own choices. But to the extent that they are aligning themselves with what God words, God's word says regardless, they are going to be blessed. And they are going to be, you would say, those are good people. They are good people to the extent that they choose to follow the what God's word says to their heart. Their heart is for these, these principles of righteousness. And God can look at those people and say, those, those people are close, are near to my heart. You know, they haven't come to that place where they're ready to, to lay down their will and accept God as their Lord. But at least they, they are in the place where they are receiving the blessing of choosing to align themselves with righteousness to whatever extent they're doing. So maybe that's why America, the United States of America, has been so blessed. Mm -hmm. Because we aligned ourselves with those principles of God in spite of all the mistakes we've made along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we we've made tremendous mistakes with the native people. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I think in, at the end of World War II, you know, when Patton said, you know, look, we're going to have to fight these guys sooner or later. Might as well do it while we got an army here, you know. <laughs> we've made political mistakes all the way along the way, but not just political and leadership Why we make mistakes as a people in the mm -hmm. nation, you know. Uh, if you, you know, uh, I you know to this day I think you know Vietnam was a mistake, mm -hmm. you know. But if if we'd have listened to Black Jack Pershing at the end of World War One when he told the French, "Hey, the debt's been paid," well then we went back and we bailed him out in World War Two. We should have never tried to bail him out in Vietnam, you know. <laughs> but you know, and and what you go on from there, there's so many mistakes that we've made, you know, worldwide. And what's the word I'm looking for? Political, you know. Um, nation to nation mm -hmm. and how we dealt with them, you know, there's one of their, like their stories, like when the United States said, okay, we're going to support this nation. But then when things came down to the wire, we, we didn't keep our word and we backed out on them, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I think pretty much like, Hey, you know, now you're not keeping in line with those principles of God, but you got to, none of us are perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect nation on this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, but God still used Israel, even though they were not far, they were far from perfect. Yeah. You know, he was still using them right on time, up to the time when, uh, you know, when, when his son Jesus came. He still used them to fulfill the promise of the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. You know, he still used Israel to bring the hope of mankind through the cross for you and I, so that yeah. we could walk in that absolute freedom of Jesus Christ. So we can know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. And when you're not walking with Jesus Christ, unfortunately, you are living an illusion of freedom. You may be applying principles in your life, but if you really stopped and looked at it, and you looked to the root of it, and were honest with yourself, could you say, yes, I'm truly free? When you say, you know, I think that there's areas in my life, and I know that there's areas in my life that, you know, I like these benefits over here, but if I was to surrender this over here, I had a friend recently, he's like, you know, I used to smoke cigarettes and my wife hates it when I smoke cigarettes, you know? And he goes, but you know, and I said, he, I would go to work or wherever he goes and I'd be around these people and, and they don't like cigarettes, so I would not smoke. <laughs> 
And he got to thinking, now, wait a minute. If I can make that choice there, why can't I make that choice over here? Mm-hmm. If I can do that for them, why can't I do it for my wife? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know, he finally got to the point where he's like, all right, I'm going to quit doing it. <laughs> and when he made the choice, you know, to, cut, to, to, to admit he was wrong and he saw the root, he, he could quit. Mm-hmm. You see? And his wife was happier in the climate high tide, you know? <laughs> but so... It's the same principle. If you can look at it and go, you know what? Hey, I got to apply these principles here. Then why in the world can't I? If I can apply the principles of God mm. in my life, why in the world can't I receive the whole picture? Yeah. Why can't I receive the whole freedom? Why can't I receive the whole redemption? Why am I settling for only a piece? And that's that continuing relationship with God allows the spirit to provoke your heart. Not, it's not like, okay, well, the church says I'm supposed to do this, so I should try not to do these things. But when I'm at home all by myself, I can... But it's the Spirit saying, hey, what about this thing over there? Like, oh, yeah. And sometimes he has to nudge us a couple of times to realize, oh, this is, this is the way it works. This is God disciplining me. This is him teaching me. If, if, but, if God, when a voice first spoke to me, said, if you'll let me, I'll change your life for you. Mm-hmm. But I first heard that, I thought that was a one-time event. But now I've learned, oh no, he said, I'll change your life. That's a lifetime event of change after change after change. When, when that story, when I told you, you know, that God spoke to me and said, I did not train your wife to be a soldier. Why did you treat her like one? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ouch, that would hurt God. <laughs> but then I said, hey, I need to get humble and go back and apologize to my wife and change how I'm treating her. Yeah. I would go so far as to say this, look, man, you cannot endeavor to follow Christ and not have change come to your life. 